And the music fades. <laughs> Everybody doing good? Yes. Great. Glad you're here tonight. Praise God. If you joined us on live stream, thanks for being with us tonight. Amen. Well, let's just bless the Lord. Father, we bless you and we honor you, Father. We give you all the praise and all the glory for you alone are worthy, Lord Jesus. You are the risen King, the risen Savior, our Lord, our God, the majesty on high. We bless your name, Lord Jesus. Bless your name, Lord Jesus. You have defeated all of our foes. You have given us the victory, made us to be more than conquerors given us authority and dominion and faith and grace. You've given us your spirit and your very life and your nature, given us everything that pertains to life and to godliness. Lord, we honor you, we glorify you, we magnify you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, I thank you that as we come and sit at your feet tonight, that your Holy Spirit will impart revelation into our heart that we will take hold of your word, that we'll become what your word says that we can be, we'll act out of that which we are, that which you've made us to be, and we will walk in truth. And Lord, I just thank you so much for your life and your nature deposited in us. For the greatest part of salvation is that we can grow in conforming to the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. We thank you for it, Lord, and bless you for that. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. We're going to start this evening over in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 11. 1 Corinthians 13, 11. Hallelujah. He says, when I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child, when I became a man, I did away with childish things. Hallelujah. You know, growing in the kingdom of God is of utmost importance. Isn't that right? You know, that's what discipleship is all about. It's about growing, growing in the life that God has given to us and who he made us to be as a new creature. Amen. Amen. So he says, when I became a man, I did away with childish things. Well, you know, even in the kingdom of God, we grow into places of maturity and we put off those childish things from when we first got saved. Isn't that right? You know, if we think that when we first got saved, we all got it all together and 20 years later, we're still acting the same way. You're not growing. Growing brings change. Isn't that right? That we start to think and we start to see things as a mature being in Christ. We live a life not only of blessing, but we live a life of responsibility. And responsibility is the biggest part. Amen. And that's a growth process. I mean, it doesn't happen overnight. But you have to look to grow, desire to grow, and press in to grow. You can't just sit there and go, well, God will make me grow. He didn't make you get saved. He ain't going to make you grow. He don't make you tithe. He doesn't make you do anything. Isn't that right? So we have to press in for growth. Glory to God. We grow in kingdom things, and we become mature adults in the kingdom. Hallelujah. So living in the blessing and the responsibility that goes along with the blessing. You know, every time you get blessed and you go, glory to God, I'm blessed. You ought to look at what's the responsibility that comes with that. 
Just for instance, you know, if I am laid up and I can't move and I'm in bed or I'm in a chair and I can't move and God heals me, I get healed. It's not bless God, I'm healed now, I can go do what I want. No, you're healed now, what are you going to do for God? See, there's a responsibility that goes with the blessing. Amen. Colossians chapter 3. Hallelujah. Uh, verses 1 through 3. Colossians 3, 1 through 3. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Amen. So he says, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. You know, mindset is of utmost importance. You know, we can't continue to live in the kingdom thinking, number one, as a child, or number two, like we used to think before we got saved. We just can't think like that. Mindset is importance. You either set your mind on the things of the earth or you set your mind on resurrection life. See, what do you walk in? You're going to walk in that old dead life or you're going to walk in the resurrection life that God has given to you through Christ. So this is not an occasional thinking when you sit in church and you're hearing the word being taught and it's like, okay, it's time to think. No, this has to become your mindset. Amen. Yeah, I don't have to explain to you about mindset because you all understand mindset. We all have mindsets. For some of us, it's food. Our mind is set on food, glory to God. For some of us, it's vacation. My mindset is set on the vacation, and bless God, I will not let no demon in hell steal my vacation from me. You know, it's a mindset, right? Or how about our marriage? You, your mindset is on the marriage, and you'll do anything to protect your marriage and watch over your marriage and make sure that it stays healthy and it's developing. Okay, I got one amen on that. You know, rough crowd tonight. But we all have mindsets. That doesn't mean we, though, either of those things are our mindset, but we all understand what a mindset is. Okay? So we have to have a mindset of resurrection life. And just like the other things, we have to have a, a mindset on the fact that I'm not going to let no demon in hell steal my resurrection life from me. I'm not going to let him rob me of living in resurrection life. Amen. Amen. Verse 4. It says, when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. All right. When Christ, who is our life, he is our life. You, I mean, I'm just going to say it straight up to you. You are not your life. You are not your life. That means your ideas, no. They're not going to work. They're, they're not going to go the distance. They will fall to pieces. They won't hold up because that's not your life. It says Christ is your life. This is resurrection life. Isn't that right? Amen. And then he says uh, when he's revealed, then you'll be revealed with him in glory. Well, he's talking about that day at 
the, the resurrection and the, 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 um, the, the rapture takes place and then we're going to be with him. And when he's revealed, then it says that we'll be revealed with him in glory. When he comes back, you know, when he comes back to defeat the Antichrist, his saints are coming with him. The called, the chosen, and the faithful are coming with him. Isn't that right? So when he's revealed upon the earth, we'll be revealed to him, be revealed also. That's about the time when the devil's going to see you coming and going, didn't I kill you a number of years ago? And you go, <laughs> we're back. <laughs> Glory to God. You'll be revealed with him. Yeah. Just like he thought he killed Jesus, he's going to think he killed you. But nope, we're back. Thanks for your excitement. Verse 5. It says, Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. Consider. Consider your members dead to these things. All right? So this is going to take a self-examination. You're going to have to examine yourself and see which of these things are living in you. Because you have to what? Consider the members of your earthly body as dead. So you have to mortify or put to death these things. Amen. You know, I don't know if you've noticed this, but when people die, all their actions stop. And that's not deep. But all actions stop when they're dead. Amen. So he doesn't say consider yourself as dead because you're not. You have life. Christ is your life. Christ is in you. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ lives in me. Isn't that right? So therefore, it's not that I consider myself as dead, but I consider I set my mind on the fact that the members of my body are dead to these things. Now, you have to meditate on that. You can't just sit in church for five minutes and go, oh, okay, and think everything's cool. you got to meditate on that. You have to start talking to yourself. Body, you are dead to immorality. You are dead to impurity. You are dead to those passions. You are dead to evil desire, which that covers a gamut of things. You're dead to greed. You're dead to idolatry. You're dead, and you got to continually talk this to yourself. This is what meditating on the Word of God is. And only by meditating on the Word is it going to happen. You can walk out of here, you heard the whole thing about it, walk out of here, forget about it, and never even think about it again. Your body will not be dead to these things. That stuff's going to rise up. And I don't care how old you get, you have a mind. And thoughts come in many different areas. I've heard people say things, well, you know, at my age, I just don't sin anymore. Really? Really? <laughs> You obviously don't have a revelation of what sin is. Now, we don't all have a propensity to all of these things, but everybody has something. So you got to examine yourself. Amen. If you meditate on the Word of God and get the Word of God inside of you, you will be empowered to overcome these things by having a reset in your mind. Remember, this is not about you being spiritually born again and you being spiritually strong. If that mind's weak, it will not stand. Because there is nothing in you that will work in your life without going through your mind, your emotions, and your will. And if your mind, emotions, and will are not strong, 
it's just not going to work. And that takes meditating on the word. Isn't that right? Amen. If your mind or your emotions rise up and start to think or start to talk to you about any of these things, what do you do? You don't ignore it. Don't ignore it like it's going to go away. It's not going to go away. It'll come back stronger. You have to declare the word of God to your mind and to your emotions. You have to set your mind to believe what the word of God says, and you have to take it to yourself. I am dead. My body is dead to these things. I am dead to immorality. I am dead to impurity. I'm dead to passion and to evil desires. I'm dead to greed and to idolatry. I'm dead to these things, and I will not allow these things to move me. And you got to put to death the flesh that wants to come alive. And when I say the flesh, you know, I'm not talking about the physical body. I'm talking about the flesh, which is the unrenewed part of your soul. That's what the flesh is. Amen. All right. Verses 8 through 10. It says, but now you also put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Now, I want you to notice what he says here. You've laid aside the old self with its evil practices. Well, what evil practices is he talking about? Anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech, lying. Now, a lot of times we don't think, oh, that's not evil. Yeah, it is evil because it's not of the nature of God. You know, you're not some unborn or unsafe person just trying to do the best you can. You're a safe person. You're a believer. And there's a whole different standard now in life. Amen. So he says, put them all aside and put on the new self. Put off, put on. Put off, put on. And he's given us clear instruction about what we need to put off. The natural man can't do this. The carnal man don't want to do this. But you can't become a spiritual person until you start thinking spiritual things according to the word of God. This is your mindset. When he said set your mind on the things above, it means you don't, doesn't mean you walk around like this. I'm setting my mind on the things above. No, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about that resurrection life that's in you. Set your mind on that resurrection life that's in you. Set your mind on the things that are put off the old things. Don't set your mind on anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech, or lying. Don't set your mind on those things. Put that off and put on the new self. Set your mind on the things of the word of God in the way that he has made you to be as a new creature. Amen. See, this is your mindset. Your mindset has to be on the word. And just like you said, there ain't no devil in hell going to take my vacation. Ain't no devil in hell going to take my food. There ain't no devil in hell that's going to make me angry. No devil in hell that's going to make me speak abusively. No devil in hell that's going to make me cuss because I have malice or I have anger or I'm ma or mad about something. No devil in hell is going to steal my resurrection life. And unless you make that stand, 
you're going to be repenting quite a bit. Are you with me? you got to make it your mindset and speak spiritual words. Because this is what will affect your decisions, affect your choices, and will empower you to walk in truth. It will empower you to walk in who God's made you to be. You're not trying to be who God made you to be. You are who God made you to be. Now you, the new creature, needs to take control of your soul, your mind, your emotions, and your will through the word of God. Amen. Amen. So this is not just thinking about what the word of God says, but it's speaking it into yourself and out of your mouth. You speak it into yourself out of your mouth. And it will empower you until your choices and your decisions are affected and directed to walk in truth. Amen. So let me say that again. It's not just thinking about what the word of God says. It's speaking it into yourself, out of your mouth, and empowering you until your choices and decisions are affected and directed to walk in truth. And once you do, it doesn't mean you quit because you'll go right back to the way it was. Because without the word of God continually operating in you, you'll go back to living in the weeds. Because you know, you live in a world and the normal growth in the world is weeds. You know, you can go look at any garden, look at any farm, look at anything that's planted on the earth. Unless it is continually cared for, weeds will grow. Because that's the normal growth of the, of the earth, weeds, because it's under a curse. We're in a world system, and what normally grows in the world system is weeds. And we have to continually be tending to our God in our life. And that we tend to it by putting the word of God inside of us. Amen. Verse 16. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another or yourselves with psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. The word of God, let the word of God dwell within you. Well, not barely dwell within you. Not to have an occasional thought about the word of God, but richly, bountifully, and above all else, the word of God should richly dwell within us. Amen. Why? So that no matter what thought gets thrown at you, no matter what you hear somebody say, no, no matter what goes on any place, anywhere, what you see, what you hear, boom, automatically, you know, I know what the truth is. That ain't the truth. You are yakking away, but you ain't speaking no truth. But you won't know that unless you are set on the word of God. Because no matter what you hear out here, what's coming up in here is altogether different. Are you with me? Let the word richly dwell in us. Actions will change when your mindset changes. Actions don't change because you spend an hour praying in tongues. 
No, they won't change. You got to get something in your mind. Now, praying in tongues can help you to get revelation from God. But that revelation has got to get into your thinking. It's got to get into you. You got to meditate on those things and get them into your mind, becoming your mindset. So that actions can change. Mindset will cause your words to change. Mindset will cause your choices to change. Well, I don't know what's wrong with my choices. I mean, I've made it this far. So you're breathing and sucking up air. What does that mean? Is that what life is all about? Is that the abundant life? Well, I eat what I want. I do what I want. I go where I want. Is that the abundant life? You know why people do all those things? Because they're not satisfied. That's why. They're happy with what they do, but they're not satisfied. Just like an unsafe person always trying to find something. You know, I had lots of vices before I got saved. Lots of vices. <laughs> and I don't mean the ones you use in an automotive shop. <laughs> you know? Well, why was that? Because I was not satisfied. Always wanted more. It's just like that one person they asked, how much money does it take to be wealthy? And they said, just a little bit more. Never satisfied. The only thing you should never be satisfied with is the life of God. Yeah. Always want more of the life of God. But you should be totally satisfied in life. Because that's what, I mean, isn't that what it says in, in Psalm 103? He satisfies your years. He satisfies your years. You know, to live satisfied. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Verses 18 through 20. It says, Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Now, I want you to notice that he talks about being subject or submitted, but then he talks about children being obedient. You know, submissiveness versus obedience, wives versus children. And then there is the husband, okay? Now, wives are to be submissive or respectful of their husbands, Children are to be obedient to their parents. Submission is not obedience. I've heard people say things, well, you're supposed to be submitted to me and you do what I tell you to do. Son, you need to smack them in the head. Okay, not really. Maybe smack them with the word. Because there's no truth in that. That's just a chauvinistic attitude. And that's where the feminist movement came from because of all the chauvinists that was around. Because they didn't treat women correctly. Well, how should women get treated? Very simple. Husbands, love your wives. In fact, Ephesians says, love your wives as Christ loves the church. Just as Christ loves the church, husbands, love your wives. So in other words, if you become like Christ and love your wife, not in the way you feel like it, and probably most of the ways you don't want to. Because it goes against your human, unrenewed soul. 
At least I should get an amen from the ladies. Come on. Somebody say something. <laughs> I can hear all the groaning going on. So if the husband lives like Jesus and cares for his spouse like Jesus cares for the church, she'd have no trouble submitting and children would have no trouble obeying. Verse 22. That's always a wonderful, happy subject. People love that subject. Slaves in all things obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Okay, again, he's talking about what? Obedience. Slaves are to obey those who are their masters on the earth. But you don't do it just for eye service to, to make that person think that you're, you really like them or that you're there for them, you know, that you're, trying, that you're just a man pleaser. But behind their back, you talk about them, you gossip about them, you say how bad they are, you say all the mistakes they've made, you talk about what a jerk they are. Yep. Kind of like people have talked about me. You know, so <laughs> I know they talked about me like that. You know, in front of you, it's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, we love you and all this other stuff. And, oh, it's just wonderful and great. But you know that when they're... Of course, they're not here anymore. I'm not talking about y'all. Y'all are wonderful. <laughs> uh, so if, it's, if they're obeying to be a man-pleaser, they have no sincerity of heart. And God looks on the... And you get rewarded based on your... So verse 23 to 25 sums it all up. It says, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. Don't do it for men. Do it for the Lord. Right. Knowing this, that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. So there are rewards. There are losses. Okay, and just like uh, in the resurrection, you know, in the day of judgment and our works are judged, there's going to be rewards and there's going to be losses. Well, right here is the down payment of rewards and losses, you know, and I would rather say, let it all burn up right here and start all over again and get it right. So when I step into eternity, we can step over onto the side of the rewards rather than thinking everything's just great here and, oh, I'm just so wonderful and doing so good. I step over into eternity. Yeah. I want to hear well done. I don't want to hear medium rare. I want to hear well done, you know. Amen. Well, what is all of this about? It's about growing in a mature life. It's growing in discipleship. See, growing in a mature life is not about healing. It's not about prosperity or any other material blessing. Those things are just byproducts of a mature life in Christ. Now, as an infant in Christ, many times, you know, we go, Jesus, and boom. You know, healing comes, prosperity comes. I mean, there, it gets dropped on us because we're infants, just like a parent meets the needs of their infants. Then growth to maturity is required. And growth to maturity, what's required in that growth? 
responsibilities. Children, as they grow, ought to be given responsibilities in the house. All right, let me say that again in case you didn't hear me. Children in the house are to be given responsibilities. And the same way we are to grow in a responsible life before the Lord. We are responsible. As, as adults in the kingdom, we're responsible. In fact, go to Matthew 25. And let's read verses 14 through 18. Matthew 25, verses 14 through 18. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the same manner would be immediately. The one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. So one got five, one got two, and we know this is money. This is not like singing talents or uh, musical talents. This is money, okay? Uh, that was a, um, a, a currency back in those days, the talents. So one got five talents, one got two talents, and one got one talents. They were responsible or to be responsible to act on what was given to them, okay? One person that received the one talent did not. He did not use his responsibility. He was not responsible to use what was given to him. And notice what it says. It was all given to them according to the ability that was developed in them. So things, you know, the guy with the one talent... the master didn't give him five, go, well, here's five, do something with this. He didn't have the ability to handle five. Right. You know, sometimes people say things like, well, how come the church isn't bigger? I don't know. Maybe I don't have the ability to handle a bigger church. I mean, do you ever think about that? Well, you ought to. Yeah, it is. It's very true. Maybe I don't have the ability to handle a bigger church. Grow? Yeah. <laughs> Nevertheless, <laughs> they were given talents according to the ability that they had, okay? But I will say this. If I had the one talent, I'm going to do something with it, okay? So what is a definition of responsibility? It is how you respond to your ability, your response to your ability, that's responsibility, okay? And the ability, of course, is developed in the Word of God. As you grow in the Word of God, you're gaining abilities, and you are to respond to those abilities. So if I am meditating on the Word of God and says about not being angry, not having malice, you know, not lying, not having abusive speech and all that other stuff, and if I get that in me that that's not who I am, I don't act that way, but I refuse to change that. Well, that's like the one that's received the one talent and he don't want to take his responsibility. That's right, doesn't want to. Okay, so 
our response to the ability. Well, you see, Pastor, that's why I don't meditate on the Word, because then I'm going to be responsible. Well, then my people perish for lack of knowledge. So, so even though, okay, a parent will still meet the basic needs for a child, even if they don't grow. But there'll be no Disney trips for the rebellious. You know, a rebellious child's not going to get to go on special trips if they're going to be rebellious. They need to straighten up. And sometimes we wonder, well, why God isn't? Well, you have to look at your attitude. Look at where you're at based on the Word of God. Not what you think about yourself, but what does the Word say? Self-examination. We need to know what the promises are and have faith in those things so that the enemy can't rob from us what belongs to us. But material blessing is part of the down payment of the inheritance that we will receive in eternity. Okay? Only in this age can the enemy steal it from us. Unless we are aware and on the ball and walking by faith. Right? Okay? So we need to know the promises so we don't get robbed of those things. And we need to know what belongs to us. All right? So therefore, growing in maturity is living a life pleasing to God in thought, in character, and in actions. It is living our life today with a view of the coming resurrection from the dead and eternal judgment that will, for the believer, pronounce rewards and losses. Amen. You won't be judged. You know, as a believer, you're not judged. You're a new creature. The one that owns heaven lives inside of you. You won't be judged. You'll get into heaven. But our works will be judged. So we want to build off the foundation of the provided resurrection and the eternal judgment and press on to maturity as one who lives with the resurrection and judgment in mind. When was the last time you made a decision and thought, how will this affect my eternity? Usually we don't think about that. But we want to live with a view of eternity because eternity is going to be the lengthiest part of your life. Our time on this earth is the shortest part of our life. It seems so long because it's time. It's in time. But in eternity, there's no time. And it's going to go on forever. Isn't that right? All right, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. It says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. So by this time, they should have been teachers of righteous standards of living or having a righteous lifestyle. That's what they should have been able to teach. But they didn't hold on to the word of God themselves long enough for it to make changes in their lives. And they still needed baby food. They needed milk. The milk of the word. That's what it talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You know, I couldn't talk to you as spiritual men. I had to talk to you as infants, as babes and men of flesh. You were carnal, he said. Never grew. Right? Yeah. See, we have to become word people. We always say things like, uh, we're, we, we're word people. No, you need to not be a favorite word people yeah. and be a word people. Because we all have our favorite words. You know, there are some words that you, in the Bible that you really need. 
And it's not going to be in that little bread box of promises. You know. Those bread boxes, they wouldn't sell any if they did. No, we can't be favorite word people. We have to be word people. The word has to become our mindset. You can't grow in the kingdom without the word. Amen. Verse 13. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. All right? So partakers of milk are not accustomed to the word of righteousness. What is the word of righteousness? It's the word of change. The word of change. If, if you remember, we talked about the elementary teachings of the Christ. That what happens to be in, Ephesians, in Hebrews 6. If you look through that whole list, there's nothing you can really act on. Everything is just knowing. Like, you know, you know about the new heaven and new earth. Well, you can't act on that. You can know about, you know, baptized in Christ. You were baptized in Christ, you know, or you can know about um, eternal judgment. You can know about resurrection from the... You can't act on any of that. It's all elementary teachings that are unable to act on. God has set it in motion, and that's the way that it is. But a word of righteousness or righteous living is a word of change. And that's what discipleship is all about, and that's why a lot of people don't like to go to church. Unless they go to a church that doesn't talk about change. You know, everything's wonderful, everything's rosy, everything's great, as it is if you change. You can't stay an infant and think everything's going to stay rosy and just wonderful. God expects growth and responsibility. Because there is a accountability. If God did not expect responsibility and God did not expect growth, then why would you ever be judged for your works? Why would your works be judged? They're judged because he expects accountability for the things that we've done based on responsibility. Will we be responsible? Will we grow in the kingdom? Will we be the mature adult? Can we stand up and teach somebody about righteous living? I don't mean just vaguely. I mean line upon line, righteous living. It's the word of change. Changes you from carnality to spirituality. Or we could say being supernatural. There's nothing wrong with being a baby. When you get born again, everybody's a baby. When you get born again, everybody's carnal. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's only something wrong with it if you, change, if you stay that way. You don't want to stay like that. Well, why do people stay like that? They don't want to go through the water and the fire. They don't want to. I just want it easy. I, I just want to take the easy way. I don't, I don't want to hold, you know, I don't want to deal with all this stuff. I mean, you know, come on, that, that's going to be some work. Yeah, it's the water and the fire. But that's what adults do. Verse 14. I'm glad you're happy about this. But, but solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. They have obtained discernment. How? By practice. Practicing the Word of God. 
practicing the Word of God. Practicing the Word of God. And the more you practice it, the more you will obtain discernment. Your senses will be trained by eating and by practicing. You know, when you eat, it gives you fuel. That fuel enables you to work. It enables you to exercise. It enables you to do the things you need to do. Same thing with God's Word. You eat God's Word, and it enables you. It strengthens you. Okay? The Word that you eat is inward. The doing of the Word is outward. It's a well-balanced diet. You know, you can't eat and eat and eat and eat and never exercise. I know you all love to hear that, but I'm just telling you, you can't eat and eat and eat and never exercise, never work, never do any kind of activity to work that off that you've been eating. And that's why people become sluggards, because they're so bloated. Same thing with sitting in church and hearing the word and hearing the word and hearing the word and hearing the word and never doing anything. You're bloated. You have to exercise what you hear. Otherwise, you're so full, you can't take anymore. And then coming to church becomes a ritual, a religious activity because you're not living in what you're hearing. See, you need a well-balanced diet. Hear it and do it. Hear it and do it. Hear it and do it. Habitual use of the Word of God. Whether things are going well or they're not going well. You, you know, it's, you, the Word of God isn't there just for when things aren't going well. The Word of God is there for everything. Let me give you an example. What is it? Psalm 120. I don't know if it's Psalm 120. Maybe 127. Verse 1. We'll throw that up there, Pastor Tim. Let's see if that's it. Psalm 127. Yeah, that's it. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. Who builds it? Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. All right? So, what does that mean? Well, bless God, I, I don't have to build the house. I'm letting God build it. Because otherwise, my work is in vain. Well, that's ridiculous. Well, I don't have to watch the city. I don't have to watch the city because the Lord will watch it. He'll take care of it for me. Well, that's ridiculous. But is it any more ridiculous than what people say today? Oh, I don't have to prepare for anything. God will take care of it. Unless the Lord protects the house, they that put shutters on the windows do it in vain. What's the difference? Oh, I don't have to shut up. No, God's just going to watch over me. Really? What if his plan of deliverance is for you to go through that thing and not around that thing? Do you know what the plan is? Probably not. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord does the surgery, then having surgery is going to be in vain. Well, that's ridiculous. You have to have surgery, you have surgery, but you do it trusting in God. I can build the house, but I do it with trust in God. I can watch the city, but I do it with trust in God. I can get the surgery, and I do it with trust in God. I can put shutters on the house, but I do it with trust in God. It's 
all about where your trust is. People are so carnal and so ditch-minded that they think, well, if I believe God, then it's going to be God or nothing. And most of the time, it's nothing. nothing. (laughs) But then we get on this other side. Oh, if I do anything at all, then I'm not trusting God. That's another ridiculous side. But this is what has happened in, in the word camp. And they've gotten so spiritual that they're actually ignorant. And some of your children say the same things. Do you know that some of your children think that God blesses everybody? No matter what. No matter how you act and what you do, God will bless you. Learn that at a young age. Here's one thing you need to know about life, and you'll never get away from it. Soul changes are totally necessary. Will always be necessary. Soul changes. Changes in your mind, changes in your emotions, and changes in your will is always going to be necessary. Training our soul to know the difference between good and evil. God good and God evil. You understand? What God says is good and what God says is evil. You know, look at Jesus. The rich young ruler comes up to Jesus and says, Good master, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus says, Why do you call me good? There is none good but God. So you can look at Jesus and see all the things that he did and say, Oh, good master, why do you call me good? There's none good but God. Huh? But I was so nice to, no, there's none good but God. But I did all of these things, Lord, Lord. Oh, but there is none good but God. So are you doing God good or are you doing man good? Whose good are you doing? Are you doing what you think is good? That good is your truth. Or are you doing what God's directed you to do? Amen. And you know what happens when your soul has to go through changes? It's probably going to be unpleasant to the carnal part of our being. But it will be very necessary for life. You know, how many of you before you got saved thought, man, I can't wait to get saved. One of these days I'm going to get saved. I can't wait. Anybody? Raise your hand if that was you. Yeah, no. No, we, we didn't stand around and say, I can't wait to get saved. You know why? Because we stood over here, and we heard about Jesus, but that was for somebody else. And then, you know, we thought about something that we may have heard about Jesus, but uh, there's just no way. And I don't see any benefit in getting saved because, I mean, I don't want to be some kind of little diaper-bound angel playing the harp and you know that's not my kind of life and and you know if it gets saved all of a sudden my life's going to become like this and I won't be able to do nothing and you know all this religious stuff I can't do nothing that's what we thought anybody not think that okay but then what happened you got saved one day you walked through the door and all of a sudden like look at the changes well now you're dealing with the same stuff But now it's about growing your life. And it's like, well, why do I have to do I don't want to put off anger. Sometimes you just need to get angry. Really? Well, Jesus had righteous anger. Liar. 
That's a lie. It's a lie from the devil. No truth in that. Well, he whipped the people that was uh, the, the money changes. Well, does that mean he was angry? I mean, you ever had kids? Yeah. Did you ever spank them without being angry? Did you spank them because why? You, you're supposed to. You're not supposed to be angry. Do we have to do a Bible lesson on this? That's why it says fathers do not exasperate your children to wrath. Because when you, when you discipline them in anger, they will not learn discipline. They'll only learn, learn the anger. You can discipline your children without being angry. You See, you're angry because you discipline them because maybe they didn't do what you wanted them to do. Or maybe you discipline them because they're making you upset. Or maybe they're, you're disciplining them because they're getting on your nerves. Yeah, well, how about you just discipline them because what they've done is contrary to the Word of God. Mm-hmm. That's the way it's supposed to be. And our wonderful government that thinks that they can... Um, uh, what do you call it? Control the heart of a man by determining whether they should spank their children or not. Well, the day is coming when they're all going to get spanked. <laughs> yes, glory to God. And that might be in wrath. I don't know. <laughs> But you see, it's the same thing as you've got to make that decision that you're going to put off this thing. And you don't know how it's going to help you. You don't know how it's going to be really a benefit until you make the decision and start walking in that direction. And then you'll start to see it. Are you with me? Amen. We want to refuse, as it says in verse 11, refuse to become dull of hearing and being a spiritual sluggard. You know, in Ecclesiastes, it says, better is a youth that has come out of a prison than an old foolish king that forgot how to receive instruction. Yes. You know, we are all kings in the kingdom, but you can be one of those old foolish kings that forgot how to receive instruction. Stunt your growth. Yeah. Yep. Hearing and not doing will stunt your growth. Meditate on the word about the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, endurance, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, meekness, and self-control. Fruit of the spirit, that's the character of God. That's the character that's in you. But you've got to meditate on it so it can come out from you. Look at the person next to you. Say, meditate on that fruit. <laughs> All right, I'm just joking. But you see, meditating on the word about the fruit of the spirit and then practice it, it should be top priority in life. Because it's what strengthens us for life in the kingdom. That fruit of the spirit, that character of God, that's what strengthens you for life in the kingdom. And other areas will start to come into place as your soul gets restored. Character qualities added for faith to work correctly. Jesus was the express image of the Father's nature. That's why he was so powerful on the earth. He was the express image of the Father's nature. 
He was not powerful on the earth because he was God. He gave up his deity, remember? It tells us that in Philippians. He gave up his deity. He stepped out from who he, where he was and came as a bondservant born of a woman and lived as a bondservant on the earth, serving God, doing only what the Spirit of God told him to do. And as the express image of the Father's nature, that's what gave power to his faith and operations in this world. Okay? Well, Romans chapter 8 tells you that you are to conform to the image of Jesus. Well, that's developing in his nature and in his life. And the more that we would conform to the image of Jesus, the more stronger and powerful you'll become in life because of the word of God being alive in you. Amen. Amen. The more we grow in the character of spirit, the stronger our faith is going to be. Yes. James 1.22. It says, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. Prove yourselves doers of the word. So hear and do. Hear and do. Here and do, like eating and exercising, here and do, like using the fuel for the results in life, okay, here and do. Eating develops ability and strength, and we're responsible to use it in work and in exercise. Hearers will only deceive themselves and reason contrary to the truth of God's word, which is truth, okay? To be a hearer of the word and not a doer makes you an orator, makes you one able to speak. Some people want to be an orator of the word of God so they can converse with others and they can sound smart. They sound knowledgeable. Maybe they'll even tell other people, well, you know, you need to do this. This is what the word says and you need to do this, but they themselves are not doing it. And they want to look impressive. It's no different than a professor that will stand in front of a class and tell you, about everything that they're teaching and the theory and all that stuff, and they figure they're pretty smart, but are they doing that? Are they living that? Are you with me? But you're to be a doer of the word and not a hearer, and it goes on to say in James that you're blessed in your doing, not in your hearing. You don't get blessed because you heard the word. You're only blessed by doing what you heard. And Jesus said it this way, you will know them by their fruit. So you'll know them by the outgrowth in action and whether fruit is produced or not. Amen. Amen. Let's close with a few verses over in Ephesians 4, 17. We'll start in 17. Ephesians 4, 17. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the fertility of their mind. Don't walk like the Gentiles, the natural man. Don't walk like a carnal man in the fertility of your mind that cannot produce kingdom results. You know, there's results that you can get in life, but are they kingdom results? Growing from carnality to being a supernatural being that God's made you to be. Okay, well, we don't walk like the Gentiles. We are to walk in truth. Yes. Isn't that right? Yes. Don't keep yourself in darkness. 
partake of and walk in the divine nature of God according to the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22. Be conformed to the image of Jesus. Don't be hard-hearted. Okay, don't walk in the fertility of your mind. And that's what it goes on to say, actually, in ver- read verse 18. It says, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them, because of the hardness of their heart. All right, why was there ignorance in them? Because of the hardness of their heart. They were hard and they would not accept what was taught. Can you see that? But we want to step out of that darkness. We're no longer in that place anymore. But our soul is still in darkness and we can get it out. You know God left that in your hand to deal with. He's not dealing with it. He told you to deal with it. He said be renewed in your mind. Be restored in your soul. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's something you have to do. He's not going to do it. He's given you a new spirit. He'll give you a new body. But you've got to deal with the soul. Amen. Uh, Verses 22 and 23. That in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So again, laying aside the old self. And the way you lay those things aside is by being renewed in the spirit of your mind. You've got to get that mindset to change. You've got to get your material of thought to change. You've got to get the bent of your soul to change by spending time in the Word of God. Your mind will choose the way life is going to be. Your mind chooses that, not your spirit. Your mind chooses that. The only way your spirit can choose it is if your mind will agree with what's in your spirit. Not in your emotions and not how you feel, but in your spirit. There is no feeling in your spirit. Your spirit is an entity. It's a knowing. It's based on a knowing. And then whatever gets into your mind, your mind chooses the way your life is going to go. So we have to change the way we think. Taking our emotions under the control of the Word of God by the Holy Spirit. And allow the Word of God to strengthen our will so that our will can be set on the things of God. Set. Set. You know, when something's set, it doesn't move. It doesn't vacillate back and forth. It doesn't occasionally show up. It's set. Amen. Verse 24. And put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Put on the new self. You have become brand new in Christ. And you were made in the likeness of God, but you have to put that on. Right? You know, I own this suit jacket, but I had to choose to Put it on. It's the same thing with the life that God's given to us. All right. We it is our life. It's been given to us. But I have to choose to put it on. I have to choose to put it on regularly. Isn't that right? Well, part of it is what? Putting off the anger, the malice, the 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 uh, the 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 greed, the the um, immorality, the impurity, the evil desires, you know, putting those things off, lying, abusive speech, putting those things off. Okay. So putting those things off and putting on the way we are supposed to operate from the word of God, love, joy, peace, endurance, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, meekness, and self-control. Amen. 
you know, if I'm a kind person and I realize that I'm kind, I'm not going to cuss somebody out because I'm mad at them. Allow the word of God to strengthen your will being set on the things of God. The word of God changed the way you think. It'll get your emotions under control and it'll strengthen your will to do the things God wants you to do. Amen. Amen. Put on the new self, the new nature, which is made in God's image in true righteousness and holiness. Okay, this is about living in a word of righteousness. This is the word of right, the word of change. Put off one, put on the other. Word of righteousness brings a responsibility to change. Amen. Righteousness is who you are. That's who you were made to be. You became the righteousness of God in Christ. Is that right? Holiness is the outward expression of what that inward righteous life is about. So the more I walk in that righteous life, it's a holy life. Holiness is the outward. We, sometimes it's called sanctification. Others have called it practical righteousness. It's the working out of that which you have been made to be. Verse 25. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, there it is again, not lying to one another. Speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Okay, and of course, he's talking about other people within the church, within the body of Christ, because he's talking about we are members one of another. Well, he's not talking about your neighbor on your street because they might not be saved and they're not you're not a member of them. But in the body, we are all members of one another. Isn't that right? And that doesn't mean you have you have permission to go lie to everybody else that's not saved. (laughs) I just want to make that clear. I just want to make sure, you know, we don't want to have to go back and listen to the recording. So, therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Okay, laying aside falsehood, any kind of falsehood, any thought or any act that opposes God's word, that's falsehood. Sometimes it's called a deceptive mouth devious lips it's things that are said and spoken that's contrary to the things of God we want to express or speak the truth God's word is truth and that's what we should speak with one another truth not in a way of like uh, well I see you doing something so let me tell you what the word says zip your lip it's talking about normal conversation that we just converse with one another. You know, I can get together with Dr. Dan, and, I mean, we can sit at the table, the dinner table, for an hour or so, just talking the word, talking the word, talking the word, talking the word, talking the word. And it just goes on and on and on. Because we're speaking truth to one another. And yet there's things that I could tell him that I think he's doing wrong, and there's things that he thinks that I'm doing wrong. But that's not what we're talking about. We're just talking the word with each other. You know why? Because God lives in me and God lives in him. And, God, and we both know how to listen to God and get things straightened up. That's right. Amen. Amen. So, fertility of thinking produces fertility of speaking and produces fertile, fertile, futile actions. 
Let me say that again. Fertility of thinking. Because remember he said that before? The fertility of your mind. Fertility of thinking produces fertility of speaking and it will produce futile actions. And they'll all oppose the truth. Verse 26 to 32. We'll close here. It's the end of the chapter anyway. 26 to 32. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil. That means if you get angry, repent. And do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Okay. So again, this is all about putting off the old, putting on the new. Putting off, putting on. Change, change, change. He says, let no corrupt, rotten, and useless words that do not serve other people come out of your mouth. They're, for, they're words of, they're futile words. Only words that are good for edification, graceful words, representing the new nature that is within us, words of truth. This is a responsibility that comes with mature development and our re- correct response to our ability is what produces rewards. You were responsible. You responded to the five talents I gave you you gain 10 more, enter in the joy of your master. You were responsible to the two I gave you, enter into the joy of your master. You were not responsible with the one I gave you, you're cast out. So our correct response to our ability is what produces rewards. And if we have a view of eternity, then we're going to look at those eternal rewards, whether we're gaining or whether we're losing. We want to grow. Isn't that right? We want to grow in being the new creature, the saved supernatural creature that God has made us to be. We already are it. It's just a matter of working out who we are. Isn't that right? Renewing our mind. You know, do you know why I grew up with a certain mentality that I grew up with? Because I lived with my parents. And my parents put within me a certain way of thinking. Okay, because I would hear them talk. They would say things to me. I could see about lifestyle. I could see about a lot of things. So it put within me a way of thinking. Not that they purposely gave me a wrong way of thinking. They loved me. They cared about me. But this is what they did. And this is what they knew. And this is what they put into me. Well, if you'd hang around God, if you'd hang around his word, And you hang around godly people, godly, holy people, not religious, but godly, holy people. Then you will take on a different way of thinking. You cannot expect that you're going to sit in church for an hour and think my life's going to change. I mean, it'll help. But just think of how much more and quicker it would change if you're involved. 
getting to know God more, hanging around him, hearing what he has to say, and having him to start to change the way that you think. Renewing our mind, having a mindset on the things of the kingdom that is above. The mindset that will set our words, which in turn will empower our choices and our decisions in living a responsible life, walking in truth. And this is what maturity is all about. And it's time that we all, and we all have, but we must press on to grow more. Grow more spiritually. Isn't that right? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Are you with me? Praise God. Hallelujah. Just bow your heads. Lift your hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 We bless you, Lord Jesus. We bless your name, Lord God. All praise and glory and honor to you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your great plan of salvation. Thank you, Lord, that you've put within me that which I need so that I can be conformed to the image of Jesus. Oh, I thank you, Lord, that you've done it all except made the choice. That you've left the choice in my hand to choose to move forward, choose to press in, choose to make, have the word dwell on the inside of me, choose to take on the correct mindset of your word on a regular basis. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, as we go through our days, just ask that you'll bring these things up to our remembrance so that we'll have that mindset and we'll remember the need of discipleship and growing and developing in your life and in your ways that has been laid out so clearly in your word. And Lord, I thank you for it. I bless you. I praise you, Father. Father, I thank you that whether we are in this room, whether we're on live stream, on podcast, or any place else online and listening to this, whether it be live or whether it be in an archive, Lord, I just thank you so much that these words go into our heart. Father, that they will burn inside of us. That it'll be your finger engraving your word into our soft and pliable heart. That we'll be doers of the word, Father, and not just hearers. That we'll not have to prove in discourse what we believe, but it will be seen in our life. Father, we thank you for that. We bless you and praise you for that, Lord. Now, Lord, as we come before you with our giving this evening, I thank you for the opportunity to sow our seed, that we sow it in sincerity, we sow it in an honest heart, we sow it with a heart of gratitude and thankfulness. And Father, I just thank you so much that there's not a seed sown that will not produce a result, that harvest comes as a result of seeds. And Father, we name our seed and we declare what the seed is that we're sowing and we look for that harvest to come. And thank you, Lord, that you rebuke the devourer for our sake because we're tithers. And I thank you, Lord, that we are one that sows and increase all the more so that we can continue to sow, continue to do the things you'd have us to do, that as we are blessed, we can be a blessing. We thank you for it and bless you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thanks again for joining us on live stream. And if you would like to sow seed into the ministry, go to our website, newlifefamilyworship.net. Click on the giving link and just follow the prompts. If there's anything that we can stand in prayer with you about, please let us know. 
We always look forward to and consider it a privilege to stand with our partners for your needs to be met. God is more than enough. He's the all-sufficient one. He's the most high. He is the almighty. And nothing is impossible with him. And when we agree with what he says and we stand in agreement based on what he says, it will come to pass. Jesus said, it will be done by my Father, which is in heaven. And he will always watch over his word to perform it. Amen.